0: of the church uh, and encouragement from them as we meet together for prayer uh, prior to the uh, morning uh, Sunday school Bible class hour and uh, this morning, I was telling them about how i I woke up uh, in the night thinking about this sermon, and they said well, that 's really not that uh, surprising. we wake up all the time while you 're preaching pastor and uh, I thought yeah that 's really not very nice." Uh, and uh, it did remind me, uh, Rocky, the, I can't remember who said that for sure in our elder meeting, but yeah, it did remind me, Rocky, that, uh, that uh, I, I had a friend one time tell me that he was dreaming that he was preaching a sermon. And he said, and I woke up, and I was. And that really would be a boring sermon if you as the pastor fell asleep. They have uh, done a survey, and they figured out that if you took everyone that slept in church— And lined them up head to toe, head to toe, head to toe. That they would all be a lot more comfortable. (laughs) In uh, Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14 though. God is way more concerned about you not sleeping outside of church. Than you sleeping in church. The Apostle Paul writes, and do this, knowing that it is time, high time, to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. Sleeping in church has not been uncommon. <laughs> There's a story in the Bible about a guy named Eutychus, a young guy. He was asleep in the window upstairs as the Apostle Paul was speaking. It was a late evening service; it was probably about one in the morning or so. And he fell out of the window three stories. And uh, that's not the third illustration; that's a three-story building. Uh, but anyhow, three stories in, he fell out of the window and landed. And they were, they thought he was dead. In fact, he was dead. And Paul went down and and, uh, raised him from the dead. Uh, There is the story as well, and they lowered a man from a bed down next to the side of the Lord Jesus. He was awake, and Jesus said to him, your sins be forgiven. And then he said, rise up and walk. And the question was, which was harder for Christ to do? There is another story of a little girl who was laying in a bed. Her dad, Jairus, had been told that she had died. He had brought Jesus to her side. And Jesus said, I say to you, little girl, arise. I Bring all this up because this notion of uh, sleeping... And rising from uh, Romans chapter 13 is obviously not speaking about physical sleep. We know that from a number of different things that we're going to notice as we walk through this passage. But it's speaking of, of being spiritually awake. In fact, this word arise is used a number of times in the book of Romans. This is the only one where the resurrection of Christ is not in view. (laughs) In other words, every other time Paul uses this word, he says, Jesus who rose from the dead. Jesus who is the one who rose from the dead. He said it not once or twice. He said it eight different times in the book of Romans. And now he comes to chapter 13 and he uses this word one more time. But he uses it in reference to us. It is high time to awake out of your sleep. It's interesting to notice how Paul introduces this. He says in verse 11. And you do this. You know this. You know this. It's, it's high time. You know what you know. To awake out of your sleep. There is clearly with this statement of you know the notion of uh, accountability from the Apostle Paul. You're accountable for this. You know this. There's also uh, clearly an indication of, of, of determination. In other words, he's not asking them to do something that they can't do. But he's asking them to do something that they would will to do. That they would determine to do this. He's trying to inspire them to do something. Put a little bit of effort into it. Make a decision. Move your life forward. Choose, as Joshua of old says, Choose ye this day whom you shall serve. But as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. There's, there's some determination in this. You know this. Can can't, can't read this verse without seeing that. But by the very word know, there's also a, 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 an expression of understanding. In other words, he's not asking us to do something that we don't have knowledge about how to do it. He's, he's asking us to do something that he's assuming we have the understanding, the knowledge, the ability to do it. I, I never like being asked to do something I don't know how to do. Paul is not asking these people to do something they don't know how to do. He's saying, you know this. You know this that that I'm going in fact you know this, and he says the the day is at hand this that you know, and in fact he says it it's it's high time uh up in uh where we used to live, there was a clock down at the courthouse and and it would chime uh on the hour in in the night and Sometimes you would wake up in the dark and and you'd think, what time is it? And then you'd hear this clock downtown chiming and you would add them up and you would know what time it is and whether or not you should get out of bed or not, whether or not it was time. And I don't know how many times I woke up and I heard it chime once, twice, three times and stop and I thought to myself, it is not time yet to get out of bed, (laughs) I uh, have missed that clock, and so I had the opportunity to get a clock, and, and uh, I have it in our room, and it chimes, and the problem with the clock in our room that chimes, it chimes on the quarter hour, on the half hour, and on the three-quarter hour. So I don't know what time it is in the middle of the night, but I know it's half past the hour. <laughs> and at two in the morning, it chimes twice for two, and so I don't know if it's 2.30, 1.30, or 3.30, but it's 2 something. But when it dings, chimes, eight times, I know that I probably should get out of bed. Another clue is that it's light outside. (laughs) It is high time. You ever slept in and missed an appointment? It's high time. It's past the hour. When people uh, and Bible translators and and interpreters look at this, they say Paul is making some kind of statement about the end times and about the the, the return of Christ. And it's high time. Christ will come soon. I'd like to say that that's talking about that. But the problem is this passage that we're looking at was written 2,000 years ago. It's high time then then it's it's high 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 time now i think paul is is referencing not necessarily the chronology but he's 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 referencing the reality of where you are in your spiritual life and your need to reflect the knowledge and information that you have into the maturity that you live uh, getting older, we all do maturing is optional, <laughs> and I think this is looking at that notion of actually maturing to the knowledge that you have it 's high time. live up to what knowledge you have it 's high time uh, this uh, This idea is uh, followed through by Paul in a number of different places. I'll, I'll just give you one of them. And in, in, the, in Thessalonians, Paul writes, So then, now, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. Here, obviously, Paul is uh, comparing the Thessalonian believers with those who do not know Christ. And he's saying, don't be like the others who who are sleeping it off. And I think that's the best way to look at the Romans passage. He's not speaking to us chronologically as to the return of Christ. He's speaking to us relationally as to what we know about Christ and what the rest of the world knows about Christ. In a sense, the world has an excuse to live the way they do. They don't know what we know. And so, Paul says, It's different, though. You know. This is the point at which uh, I wasn't going to admit to the elders today. That This is why I kept waking up in the middle of the night. I kept waking up in the middle of the night with all the things that I know. In fact, I woke up this morning when my wife woke up and we began to talk and oftentimes on Sunday morning I begin to talk to her about what I'm going to speak about and I, and I told her, I said, you know, the problem with this passage today is that I know this passage well and it absolutely drills me for where I am inept. And so my wife had great counsel. She said, why don't you skip it then? <laughs> Wouldn't that be easy? <laughs> Just go somewhere else. Let's not be transparent with each other. Let's not talk about the fact that we're not quite what we ought to be. Let's just pretend another week. I don't know about you, but aren't you tired of pretending? I'm tired of pretending. I would like to, I'd like to get there, move on, become more what God wants me to be. It's high time. It's so time. Look at, look at where Paul takes this message of it's high time. He says, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. You know, I, just, I, 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 I don't recommend this movie, but I, but I love this one scene, you know. Cock a doodle doo, Bob, it's time to wake up. You know, and he's trying to, he's trying to get this guy out of his house. And he's, uh oh. Can't can't wake up, can't wake up. And then this little alarm goes ding 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 and he oh and he wakes up. It's high time. Uh, the hours come. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Uh, cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. How, how would you like to have a glow in the dark? uniform. Wouldn't that be cool? A glow-in-the-dark uniform. That's what this is talking about. A glow-in-the-dark uniform. I'll tell you one of the reasons why a glow-in-the-dark uniform would be handy. Every now and then I do have to get up in the night and, and there's these things that Charlene puts in the middle of our bedroom. Uh, she put this cedar chest in the middle of the bedroom and, and it has a toe attractant on the bottom of it. Every now and then I'll, I'll, I'll have to go out in the living room and, and, uh, and my grandchildren will leave strange objects in the middle of the living room floor that, that are, are extremely effective toward uh, waking a person up. Wouldn't it be handy if I had a glow-in-the-dark uniform that I could wake up at night and, oh, and I could see everything? Oh. That's what the apostle writes about here. The the works of of darkness are are to be exchanged with an armor of light. You can find it because it glows in the dark. Now you think, well, that's absurd. Jesus said, "I'm the light of the world." Uh, the Bible says. This is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. No, God has made His truth where it glows in the darkness of this world that we are called to live in. It's high time. it's, It's high time. Now, from this, Paul takes us somewhere, that I would have preferred that he not go. This passage would be just so much easier if, if verse 13 just wasn't there. He says, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and darkness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Uh, he, he gives three groups here, three pairs. And uh, the translators that translated the New King James Bible and the translators that translated your Bible uh, translate these words into really strong kind of abrasive words. Uh, you know, I, I don't even know for sure what an orgy is, but it just sounds bad orgies, drunkenness, sexual immorality, sensuality, quarreling, jealousy. You look at all those words and you think, well, you know, I mean, in English, I look at those words and I say, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. Well, yeah, not guilty. I'm six for six. But when you actually look at these words, these words are not... uh, the kind of words that they appear to be on the screen. For instance, I'll, I'll just look at one of them and spend a little bit of time on one of them to kind of help you see what I'm driving at. The word sexual immorality is found a number of different times in the uh, New Testament. The vast majority of times that word is found, the word pornea is the word that is translated sexual immorality, pornea. Now, we, we get the word pornography from the word pornea, and, and we hear that word and we think, Hmm, yeah, but that's not the word that Paul uses here. Paul uses the word here for bed. Now, when he uses this word for bed, he uses this word for bed. A number of other times in the Bible, he says the marriage bed is undefiled. And and he uses the word in another place, referring to Rebecca, how that she uh, went to bed and she became pregnant. And so we come to realize that the word bed is being Used in a uh, in a uh, uh, an illustrative sense or a motif sense of, of 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 an intimate relationship between a man and a woman, and the the usage of this word bed is not used with, with any moral overtone or connotation. In fact, the usage of this word is most often with just the idea of men and women when they sleep together, things happen, and so it's it's being used in a in a in, in not in a love sense of the goodness of intimacy that God gives between a man and woman but in just the physiological sense of this is what happens with no moral judgment upon the word just a recognition that this is what happens when men and women but there are situations where men and women being together in an intimate way is not pleasing to the Lord and, and that is clearly stated in scripture so are you beginning to see the way these words are used these words are not used in a sense of the word itself is wrong it's Looking at these words with the notion of excess. Excess. The word for drunkenness is the word for wine. And it's the very same word that is used in the New Testament to refer to this. So again, it's not, it's not that, 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 that wine is being looked upon as evil and horrible. It's the excess. The excess. And uh, again, the word orgies, it's actually just the word for party. How many of you are going to a Super Bowl orgy today? <laughs> That's the way this word is used. Hey, we don't use it that way. See, that's where the translators sometimes do us a disservice. They make it into words that are stronger than the words that are actually in the original text so that we can say, I'm free, not talking about me, I'm okay. No, you're not. Uh, to be very honest with you, I have never tasted alcohol in my life apart from NyQuil. NyQuil. <laughs> medicinal purposes i have never been sexually explicit outside of my marriage and i'm a nice guy who would ever argue with me <laughs> now no that's not the way paul wants us to look at these words he wants us to look at these words and be shaken by the notion of how excessive we are. See, I've never been drunk on wine, but I've been drunk on Mountain Dew. You think, well, how do you get drunk on Mountain Dew? They're free refills. <laughs> I'm going to leave this place with my cup full, or I did not get what I deserved. Excessive. Oh sure it's just one handful of fries left There's some kid in China that would like to eat them so I'll eat them for him excess There there's so many ways in our life we can be excessive and not what god wants What's interesting about these six words, all six of these words are found in Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5, we all know that well, don't we? That's where the fruit of the Spirit is. Fruit of the Spirit, one of the great sections in all of Scripture. And yeah, they're found in Galatians 5 here too. Here they are. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, evil, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I warned you, and I warned you before, those that do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So That's a list of excessives. God does not want you to be excessive. Don't be drunk with wine. We're in his excess. But be filled with the Spirit, Paul writes to the Ephesians. Again, he's not speaking out against any of these items. Particularly, he's speaking out against the excess. Excess. I don't know if I can watch the Super Bowl today. The Chiefs aren't in it. You might say, so what? Well, I'm a little bit excessive about the Chiefs. Not as much as I am about the Royals, but... <laughs> or the Jayhawks. See, even things, that, things like that that are fun and good and pleasurable, we can be excessive about them. I don't have time for sports. Too busy working on cars. Oh. I'm too busy going hunting. I'm too busy with Pinterest. Pinterest? That's old school. I'm in Instagram. Can you even keep track of the latest social media? Excess, excess, excess. Now, what do we do to curb these appetites that have a way of taking over our lives? I'll just give you one from my life that's just kind of funny. Here about a month and a half ago, I found out that, that there's dollar bills that were made at national banks, and you can buy a dollar bill that says Valley Falls National Bank on it. A thousand bucks on eBay. But, but there was a national bank in the town I grew up in. And so now, every day on eBay, I check and see if there's one of them being offered. I haven't gone completely excessive. Charlene goes, well, pfft, I don't know. I do do my devotions before I check eBay. <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm not saying this to, to get you to feel sorry for me. I'm, I'm saying this to, to, to ask you to think in your own life. Where am I in my own life am I being excessive? Out of balance with what God And how God would want me to be. Uh, A a guy was named the NFL Player of the Year last night. It was the Walter Payton Award for Civic Response. And one of his things he did is he donated his entire year's salary, several million dollars, to the cause that he's involved in. And by the way, his first line in his speech was, by the grace of God. And I thought to myself, what a cool dude. Where are you excessive? Well, oh, I don't know where I'm excessive. But I've listened to you enough, Pastor, so I know I'm not as bad as you are. And you probably aren't. But how do we find help Well, let me give you six rules on not being excessive. No, that's not what Paul does. You won't believe what Paul does. How Paul speaks to this. Look, if you will, in verse 14. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh. Now you, you just read over the top of a word that's a really important word here. So I just want to want you to see it right here. It's Pro-noei. and pronoi is the word before to see, and it's translated in your Bible provision. <laughs> And, and I don't think of the word provision as being a vision word, but it is a vision word. It's, it's thinking out things before. And it's, this is saying, don't do this. Don't make allowances. My daughter had a baby shower yesterday. It was during the KU game. And, and I told Charlotte, I said, you're going to miss the KU game. And she goes, she said to me, I hadn't thought of that. Why? Because the baby shower, she's a woman, was more important to her than the KU game. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no before-seeing to the flesh, in regard to its lusts. Now, if you remember, just a few statements ago, the Apostle Paul said we could have this glow-in-the-dark armor. There it is. Put on the Lord Jesus. Every now and then, I'll be at an event that's emotional. I'll be at a a really emotional event, uh, perhaps a wedding, uh, maybe a funeral, uh, maybe uh, some other family event, a baby dedication or something like that. and, And... and someone will come in that other people haven't seen in a long time, and they'll come in, and and they'll they'll, they'll people will see him and will say, "Look there, it's Joe!" And everybody'll run over and just, "Oh man, Joe!" And they just they just start hugging. They don't say anything; they just hug. I think of that little song we sing around run to Jesus, run to Jesus. Have have you ever let Jesus just hug you and hold you and help you? See, this is the answer to excess. How many of you have found out that the chiefs never are going to really make you happy? The royals are never really going to make you happy. Your job is never really going to make you happy. Yeah, I'm going to go there. Your family, as much as you love them and as much as they love you, are never really happy going to make you happy. Oh, if only I were married. Yeah, that'll make you happy. Yeah. Yeah, you all laugh too. There is one. who can satisfy you and he invites you to put him on take eat this is my body take drink this is my blood these are symbols these are symbols but but they speak of something deeper He wants to hold you. He wants to embrace you. He wants to cover you over with his goodness. I just soon have Dorita chips and some uh, dip at the Super Bowl party. C.S. Lewis talked about it. He talked about eating mud pies when God offers himself. Take on the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I, just, I just want to show you a picture and I, w- I want to show you a picture and I want you to look at this picture. And I just want you to, to think about this picture and what it symbolizes and, and just allow this picture to, 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 to speak to you. Uh, this is a, this is a beautiful picture. We're told that Jesus loved people. We're told over and over again in the New Testament there's different people that Jesus loved. And this is a picture that, that de- declares Jesus' love. Lazarus, come forth. And he came out of the tomb with his grave clothes still on. And Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. Who do you think Lazarus went to first? The text doesn't tell us. You know why? Because it doesn't have to. You know. You know who he went to. He had seen things unspeakable in the third heaven. The only reason he would ever have wanted to come back was to see him. To see Jesus. And to touch him once again. To hug him. To allow Jesus to hold him and to know and to know. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. In a relationship with him, there's deliverance from your excesses. From your excesses that tear at your heart, that sap you of strength, that divide your focus and initiative. In Him, there's freedom. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Father, we come before you. And all of the weaknesses of our flesh. And all the frailties of our life. And we just acknowledge how excessive we can be, chasing after stuff that doesn't in any way satisfy when we could be held by You. Father, I just pray that we would come to Jesus new and fresh. That we would come to Jesus for an armor of light in a dark world. That we would come to Jesus and allow His presence to indwell us to fill us, to energize us, to move us. May we come to Jesus, the caretaker of our souls, in whose name we pray. Amen. On the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. With his disciples, he broke it and he offered it to them. It is our custom as a church family to celebrate the Lord's table regularly. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are welcome to participate with us. We recognize that these things are not truly him, but are symbolic of who he is and of what he has done and how that he gave his life for us now that he shed his blood in our place. And so this pausing and this reflection is to cause us to realize that Jesus offers himself for us and we once again renew that trust and that confidence in him. And in order to do that, one thing we must do, we, we need to come to Jesus with a clear recognition that we're sinners in need of what he did and we need to just pour out before him and say, oh God, those things that have stood between me and you, I, I lay them before you now and ask for your full pardon. And so as we come to this table, it's a time of pardon for you, for you to acknowledge and refresh and cleanse. But then it's a time also of intimacy between you and him as we together as a community express our faith uh, together in him. Let's look to the Lord even now. I'm going to ask if uh, Brother Rocky Bartlow would lead us in a word of prayer for this that symbolizes the body of Christ that was freely given up for us all. On that cross. Rocky? Well, as we think about excesses, we think of our own excesses and the things that we do, but we see also in the body.